What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 32 of season four. My name is Jim Icavone, and I'm joined by the one and only Jack Smith. Before we get to our topics of the episode, allow me to remind you, if you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Let's also shout out the affiliate site, fullpresscoverage.com. And while you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net, where you can now find the Pod Street Bully podcast, Time My Skates podcast, and officially the My Dad Used to Play Hockey podcast featuring Zach Kindrachuk. Um, there's also a new show called The Reload. Uh, if you can't find it, ask Zach where it is. Supposed to be giving us links. I think you can find it on Apple Podcasts. So all you know, all your pod cl- your, your podcast listening platforms. I'm pretty sure. Just search the Reload, and uh, you should be able to find it. Great stuff there from from Zach and his uncle Bob Strum. Now, Jack, let's get to our topics for tonight's episode. Um, never a dull moment with this organization, really. And uh, you know, like if there could be a week where there could just be nothing. Uh, I think it would be welcomed, but the organization continues to provide us with content. So I guess in a way I'm grateful for that because we don't have to go digging for stuff, right? They hand it to you on a silver platter, right? No shortage of content here. That's for sure. And so the, well, I actually, you know what, let's talk, let's go into it like this. First, let's congratulate. Let's start out on a positive note. Noah Cates scores his first NHL goal uh, the other night. And it was a pretty one. You know, was, uh, he was playing with Nate Thompson and uh, Patrick Brown. Uh, very nice goal. Uh, so so good for Noah Cates. Um, did, were you able to watch the game the other night, Jack? Uh, very little. I didn't see the goal, but I did see the replay. So yeah. um, guy we discussed, um, you know, when we talk about what we want to see with this team, you want to see prospects, guys you have in the organization. You want to see what they're worth. I know a goal doesn't make them the next big thing, but it was nice. It was nice to see him because he's been in the organization for quite a while. And uh, it was nice to see him get up here. It was nice to see him score. It was um, just need more of that. You need more of uh, random guys, younger guys chipping in. And, you know, maybe we'll have like an, a really nice discussion next offseason uh, or leading into preseason is what I should say for some position battles, some guys who are really trying to make the NHL. We felt like this last year with uh, Allison, and maybe we'll have that version of, of a player who can stay healthy. And, you know, we'll have a, that, that's where the cream of the crop rises. You get a bunch of guys who are trying to make the team who are, have some talent and uh, the best guys stay. And maybe, maybe you got a little something on your bottom six there. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. So it's, it's interesting because, you know, how I mean, as Flyers fans, it's not that hard to get pumped up over little things these days. Um, but, you know, there's guys on Twitter already going, oh, he could be an Oscar Lindblom and he could be a bottom six guy and this and that. I'm like, no. Look, man, it's been no. three years of Justin Braun, Norris Kennedy. I know how we can get very hyped about little things. Like, I'm not doing I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this over a kid anymore. I, I'm not excited for Noah Cates. I'm, I hate to be that guy. But uh, like, and it's gonna it's gonna bring bring us into our next topic. I don't care. I don't care about these college kids. I don't care if they score their first NHL goal, fifth round pick for a reason. Noah Cates, right? If he's if he's on the team next year, probably the roster's probably not very good, right? <laughs> and I know I'm being a negative Nancy, but I, I'm not doing this. I'm not getting hyped up over Noah Cates, right? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. No, I, I completely agree with you. I totally get it. Uh, while I do want to see something out of these kids because you did spend a draft pick on them, I'm not expecting him to be a top-line guy who's going to help carry this team or we add Gaudreau, we have this, we have that, and then Cates is going to be around. And No, it's just it, I'm not going that far either. How you feel is essentially how I feel going into next season, no matter how many players they add, no matter how much talent they bring in. It's just until they can prove to me otherwise, I don't. I just don't have it anymore. I, we've done it year after year since we started the podcast. And what was that? Like March of 2018. It's a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? We are what? Just over four years, five years now, four years. Excuse me. Part of my math. Um, yeah, there, there is. I, and so they prove to me otherwise. I can't feel that way either. There's no point in getting excited about anything. I need to see this, te- this team just be sustainable. Well, and until I can see, 
no more falling to pieces for 10 game stretches, 13 game stretches um, of the like, and being a bottom feeding team yet again, you know, nothing's going to get me excited about it. Nothing at all. They could get the first overall pick and get what's his name. And I still wouldn't feel that way about this team because they have a lot to prove. They have a long, long way to go. And it's not just the team on the ice. It's the entire organization. Yeah. So let's bring it back to the, the kids and the prospects real quick. So this is what it's, it's, it's really kind of irking me. Like it's really kind of getting me a little bit. Um, I don't want to say angry, but it, it's, it's pushing some buttons for me. Right. Because I, I think as fans, you know, it's like, okay, well, we're out of the playoffs now. We have no shot. It's time to see the kids. And it's like, we've been doing this for how many years in, in a row? And how many of these kids at the end of the year end up on the roster next season? Right? I mean, who? Like, you, okay, you were excited to see Grimon Rupstov the last couple of years. Or, or throw in insert, insert name here. Yeah. Oh, you were great. You were so excited yeah. to see what Connor Bonneman could contribute to the NHL. Right. Remember that experiment? Right. Yeah. And we're doing it again. Every time. And it's like, I I don't want to watch Noah Gates. I'm sorry. I don't. I, I don't want to watch anybody drafted after round three because they don't. I, I just don't care. You know, when it's acceptable, when it's tolerable, when the rest of your team is good, you know what I mean? Because then you're looking for that little extra. Like when the team was good. I got excited about Andreas Nodal because he was like a third line player, fourth line player who would sometimes contribute. And we were a good team back then. You know that when we had Richards and Carter and Pronger and everybody carrying the team, like you could have players like this who contribute like, wow, we, we were really doing a score on every single line is scoring and this is working. That's working when your team sucks and you're at the bottom of the league and guys you're expecting to carry it to the next level are falling to pieces. Everybody's crying, you know, and you got this little prospect who's like chipping in or whatever. It just doesn't have the same allure because he, you know, he's probably not going to be around for long. You, you know, he's probably not going to make his way up through the lineup unless he freaks out. And while sure, it's a good story because you drafted the kid. He also has been in the organization a very, very long time. So it's nothing more than just a good story. Yeah, he's he's likely going to play with the Phantoms next year, and hey, good, like cool, like that's great, good for Noah Cates. I don't want to see him in the. I mean, I, if he's going to be in, I mean, where's he going to play? What he's going to be a fourth line guy? We're excited over a fourth line guy, right? No one's excited for Nate Thompson, or Patrick Brown. This is what we're talking about. I'm not excited for for Noah Cates. Awesome, congratulations, Noah Cates scored your first goal. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Build myself up. Oh, this kid could be a player. Why? Because he played three <laughs> games, scored one goal. Like, come on. Like, stop kidding yourself. I know we're looking for any shred of positivity, but it's just it, it bothers me so much. Like we are, but when it gets when it gets excuse me. When it gets like the excitement level gets like tripled, it's like, all right, that's not exactly what I meant by you know, kids contributing. It's not gonna happen. Oh, no, no. Right, like Unless he like goes coast to coast and dazzles through three guys and puts it in the net and, and puts his full talent on display. It's just like, wow, what the hell was that? No, it, you know, it was a pretty goal, but it's nothing that I haven't seen before from anybody from any star to replacement level player. There's nothing that tells me we may have something here. It's just, it was just a goal. It was just a nice play. It happens. On another night, it could be saved. He could miss the net. It could be a ton of things. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I want to be happy for him to get excited in the sense that it's somebody to push somebody else who may be better for next year or whatever. I'm not expecting any saviors coming out of this year either. And we kind of did that with Allison, like I alluded to. And look at him. How many games has he played this year? Like, yeah. my God. And I hear what you're saying. So this that's like a little bit different for me, right? Because we're talking about a second-round pick – and, you know, just last show, just last show, we're talking about Nashville drafting guys in the second round, turning out to be studs. All right. So it's like, all right, we're talking about a second round pick here. This kid's got talent. He's got skill, big body, has a nose for the net. Um, we we can we can allow ourselves to get a little bit excited about this kid. Unfortunately, I mean, everybody knows, like you were saying, had the year from hell injury wise. And, um, you know, can can he stay healthy? We don't know. 
what bothers me about this Cates kid is fifth round pick. Not everyone's going to be Oscar Lindblom, right? Lindblom's like the anomaly. I mean, like go back and think like how many like fourth, fifth round picks, uh, not even become stars, but can stay on an NHL roster. It's like right? a handful. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like, typically if you're going to be that player, like Lindblom was drafted in, I want to say 2015, 2016 around them. I'm hundred percent sure when he was like making noise overseas and then like was here like he was he was here noah cates has been in the organization a very long time before he got here that typically doesn't add up to an nhl starting player or god forbid a a star of any real contributing value so i understand that point fifth round pick took this long to get here in this bad of an organization and team and yeah unless he really freaks out for it, it, it just doesn't make sense it doesn't happen Guys who get drafted that late, yeah, they tend, they could become NHL players, but as far as anything really worth getting excited about, he would have been here two years ago. That's the way I look at it, and it's not the case. So I don't see – I just don't see a, a high enough ceiling to get that excited about it, which no. is what you're saying about a fifth-round pick compared to a yeah, it's know, like higher, higher pick. Awesome. Like they found a fourth-line winger maybe. They just traded away two fourth-line players like – who, who cares? Like, cool, the kid scored. Like, it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't make me want to watch the Flyers anymore. Because it was cool while we were doing the rebuild. I was like, oh, what do they have with these guys? But now it's like, I'm so sick of saying I want to watch the Flyers to watch kids. I want to watch a winning hockey team. Um, so let's kind of transition a little bit because uh, another player uh, appeared in his first couple NHL games, and Ronnie Adderd got his first NHL point. I believe it was the last game, the same night uh, Cates scored his first goal. Um, Adder, as you know, is was was playing with Nick Sealer for Keith Yandel. Now, this is kind of like a, one of our bigger topics here. And hey, I know I know that I'm kind of in the minority with the with how I'm thinking with this, but it's it's just what I believe. Uh, I think, hey, you want to if you want to. This is my opinion. If you want to separate yourself as an organization that, that says, hey, you know, we look out for uh, our players. We look out for the best interests of our guys, right? Because the, the Flyers don't owe Keith Yandel anything, right, J- uh, Jack? Like, they're, they're paying him, you know, his contract, obviously, which is, I think it was like, under a mil. Yeah, under a mil. Um, I mean, the guy's not poor by any means, so don't get me wrong there. They got him to the number that he needed to get to break the Ironman streak, so they don't have to play him kind of thing, but it's like other players – and this is what this is what pissed me off so much because I don't care about his streak. I'm just going to be honest. I don't care, right? Like, cool. You, you played in the most games ever in a row, like, that's a that's a accomplishment for yourself, but I don't care about it. What I do care is it look it makes the the organization look terrible. And when they don't have anything to play for, who who cares? Just trot them out there, right? It's gonna if if you want the Flyers to tank and lose games, why do you care that Keith Yandel's in the lineup? He's gonna help you accomplish those goals. You know what I mean? So. Uh, back to the the part where I, I thought it makes them look bad. It, it to me, uh, I wanted them to do right by Keith Yandel. Now, if you're if you're Keith Yandel, if you're a veteran guy, you've been in the league however many years, you know that you don't have it anymore, right? You're not the same guy. You're minus whatever the hell it is. Um, you know, you, you're slow as molasses. Like the skills aren't there. This is a guy that he was an all-star. He, he used to put up 40, 50 points a season kind of thing. The Flyers brought him in. I mean, he signed the contract, sure, but the Flyers, you know, went and brought him in. Took less money to, to come here. Right. Um, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to be healthy scratched, right? It's it's even if, even if you're not a Keith Yandel, even if you're just, you know, a regular third, fourth-line guy, it's, it's embarrassing to not see your name – on the wall come game day. It's, it's not a good feeling. And uh, again, 
They don't owe Keith Yandel anything. But the sign of a class organization is an organization that says, hey, we don't owe this guy anything, but we're going to go out of our way to not embarrass you. <clears throat> right. And, and in your, you know, a lot of people go, well, he's embarrassing the Flyers with minus 40, whatever. They signed him. Somebody in the offseason said Keith Yandel can help our hockey club. Whoever that person is needs to be benched because they were flat out wrong. And now they had to play him, right? Because he stunk before he broke the streak, right? Like he stunk. Keith Yandel stinks. All season long, he stunk. But when they signed him, they had to play him. And so with, with 15 or so games left to bench him, really they benched him over Nick Sealer because they wanted to see what, what Sealer had. Um, playing with, you know, some of the younger guys and to see if he's a guy that could bring back for next season. And that's another thing. How do you not know what Nick Sealer is by now? How does right? Fletcher not know, for God's sake? He had him in Minnesota. The guy's what, 29 years old? Like, he is he is what he is, dude. <laughs> like, you're not going to get anything extra out of Nick Sealer. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, now, if, if the other argument is, well, they wanted to see what they have in Ronnie Adderd. All right, I get it. Sure. You know, let's let's see what uh, the you know, former third round pick uh, can do. Right. Um, doesn't matter how you slice it, whether you're going to pair him with Nick Sealer or Keith Yandel. The kid's going to get his shit pushed in. And I mean, he, he debuted against the Toronto Maple Leafs. The kid was a <laughs> minus four in 15 minutes. He got shredded. You know, and like Sealer is the guy you bench. He's the seventh defenseman. That's why he's here. He's the guy you, you, you bench. That's what he's that's what he does. Like, come on. This is oh. an easy one. I don't want to hijack your point or anything, but like, I wasn't sure you were going with that at the very beginning of your point, but I'm glad we completely agree here. This is an organization who the team sucks. And that happens to everybody sometimes that for this long, not really, but if you take it by season by season, they went for it this year. It didn't work. Whether you call it injuries or something else, it didn't work. They suck. What you can control is when you have a uh, hall of fame night, and you let people know it's happening. They failed on that regard. They only they barely let anybody know. It was a shame because Holgren's been in the organization forever, and they barely let anybody know, let alone uh, talk it. Uh, you have the just the uh, assistant who passed away. They have the wrong uh, uh, image up there. They have the wrong guy. You know, they spell people's names wrong for other things and whatnot. Like everything you can control because you can't control the season. Once it gets going, shit happens. Everything you can control, they failed at miserably. And this is just something else. If this team was competitive and Yandel was seriously about to cost them a playoff spot or something of that nature, it's a defendable offense. We're not in that realm. Sure. They were nice enough to get him to break the streak. He's 11 games from, I think it was 11 games, close to a thousand playing a thousand games at all. Not let alone straight is that's an achievement in its own right. That's a milestone for any player to play a thousand games in the NHL. He's going to be the only one to do it straight. And they cut that short for everything you just said. Literally no friggin' reason. Does he deserve to play? Is he good enough to play? No, he's really not. But this whole team, this whole season has been such a disaster. If there's anything positive you can bring out of this, it's just get the guy to a thousand games and finish out the season and whatever. And the fact that Sealer was in there and a third, it's not like you know we had some stud rookie in there. It was, it's hard deserve. Maybe we want to see what he has, so he's in there. But are we really you know banging the drum to get this kid in the lineup? Let alone Sealer. Like it's just another thing that embarrasses the organization. You saw how many players came out and just ripped the organization to shreds. Ronick, who felt like a flyer ever before he came to Philly, was a perfect fit, has only talked positive about them since he's left. He spent more time with Chicago. He spent time with other organizations, and he's on there arguing with um, – uh, what's his name from Boston for the flyers sake. They like hate each other. And he, he ripped the flyers. And when you like, Ro when Ronick rips you, you, you know, you got something bad. And I know he's outspoken, but like, he's hundred percent right here. Like, come on, man. Like you could do anything, right? Just, just one star, one shining spot on this season is get the guy to a thousand games played straight. Like, 
And what if nobody signs him next year and doesn't get a thousand games at all? Like that, that's ridiculous. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's done. Like the streak's done. Like the streak's done. Even if he goes and signs somewhere play, else, like he might not play a thousand games at, in his career is what I mean, which is another, well, he has. It's, not, yeah, he, it's, not, it's not nearly as important as what he was going to have, but well, it's he still has, something. He, it's a feather. He has played a thousand games though. He's played 1100. Well, was that include playoffs? No. Yeah. So he's played 1100 games overall. But he would have played a thousand straight. Oh, I didn't so he, realize he, that. So he had missed games early in his before career. the streak. Yeah, before the streak. Yeah. Damn, uh, I didn't. It looks like back that's in 08 or nine. Yeah. So like, but like, like you're saying though, could have played a thousand straight. Which well, that's the that's really the more important thing here because the streak itself is impressive, and if this team was any kind of competitive, I could I could see some argument. But th- with this team and this season, it's just another embarrassing mark on this stupid organization who continues to just spiral into this abysmal – it's a nightmare. It's it's a true nightmare. Like, I cannot believe how far they've fallen. And this is just another shining example of how stupid they are. And it, it just – it makes – I can't even get angry anymore. I just shrug my sh- shoulders and I just – you almost laugh at how stupid they are. And it's like, come on, man. Like you can't control – how bad the team is, but you, this you can control, and you, you you let this one slip away. It's another thing in many things this season, and it's sad. It's embarrassing, and I think it needs to burn to the ground. So I want to touch on uh, a couple of things here. You mentioned Jeremy Roenick, and you know there was a, I think Carlo Koleakovo came out, and they were they were against you know what the Flyers did, and you know, I think we both agree with them. It just looks bad. It's bad it's a lot optics. more than just them. They might not be outspoken, but you know the players for what they got to go through. Look at a guy like Jason Smith, all right, former captain. We, we've heard stories from Settlemeyer how he's going into the lineup with, like, two broken collarbones. He can't raise his arms, like, too high, and he's playing. You know, they're asking, is he, uh, am I even taking his stuff? Yeah, I'm playing. You know, that's what these players go through to get on the ice. And you cut it short, this this milestone short. It's an it's an absolutely disrespectful. It's disgraceful. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean it's a good way to put it. So, on the flip side, you got a guy like Mike Rupp, who came out and said the streaks are manufactured, and he's talking about Phil Castle too. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit they are, but so what? When you're playing on the team like the Flyers, who I mean. What are they playing for? Right. Like, I mean, oh, the best player should be playing. I mean, Mike Rupp played 609 games. You're telling me that he was he should have been in the lineup that many times? You know what I mean? Guy had 99 career points. You think he was you think he was the worst player in the lineup most nights? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Played 609 I mean, games though. You think he was complaining about that when he was playing 13 games and and 32 games for the Minnesota Wild? No, he wanted to play as many games as he could. Right. I mean, 95% of Yandel's career, he was playing when he should have been playing. So to, right. to, to whine about the last however many games with, and I'm, we're taking the team's situation into account. It's just dumb. It's just stupid. It was dumb. I understand yeah. it means more if you actually deserve to be there and whatnot, whatever, but you got him this far. You got him this far. Right. Why, why stop it now? What, 11 games. Was it? Come on, man. That's, That's the other thing. If you were going to do this, why did you, why did we, why did you have, I mean, 10 games, 11 games left or whatever it was, 11 games till you hit a thousand in a row. Why didn't you do this sooner? Like he's hasn't been good at any point. You know what I, I mean, mean? Like none of it makes sense is why, when the team why was still, when the team was still in contention, it was before he broke the streak. They could have done it. They could have done it to get somebody else in there to help the team when they were still within striking distance. They didn't because breaking the record i guess meant something to them then but this thousand game doesn't mean something like but they had a chance to win back then now there's no chance in hell so they cut it short it doesn't make it just doesn't make sense any way you slice it it just doesn't it seemed it just seemed disingenuous to me um it's just a typical flyers organization in 2022 um they're a joke. They're, they're a, they'll pay the, up to the salary, but they just everything else is just wrong. Why would any player? You got to look at it from that regard too. You're an organization. You need high end talent. You've been we've been told as fans that RGM has a blank check to bring people in here. Well, 
a lot of teams have blank checks. There's a lot of teams that spend to the cap. There's a lot of teams that have money, more money than we do. So what might, it might come down to is location and desirability. And this is just another thing that makes the team less desirable. Like why? If I, you're a player with an organization, you hear that. I think most of them would go, wow, that's pretty fucked up. Like, why would you want to go there? You know, if you get four teams all offering you the same deal, cause they're like max deal or whatever, or whatever reason to write in a ballpark. Why are you picking the flyers? They had ass season after ass season for almost a decade. And you got these other teams that didn't do what they just did all season because this is just another thing to point to. They're not, you're not just going to use this as an example. You're going to use right. a lot it's of stuff. One more do. thing. It's just one more thing, and it's a pretty big thing because it directly affects a player. And these are players who want to come here. Why it's it's like this. It's disrespectful. Like it's blatant disrespect. This is like an easy one. Nobody would have said anything if they just played him the rest of the year. Nobody would have said a word. We wouldn't. Nobody would. Have, I can't believe they played him the whole year. Nobody would have said that. Right. That, and that's and that's what irks me. And that's when it's like, you know, they don't owe anything to this guy, but they did right by him. And that's that's kind of what the point is. Like around the league, like people would see that. Like they know that Yandel stinks, but it's like, oh, the Flyers, like they did him a solid, you know. Well, like that's a cool thing. thing. That's pretty important to the Flyers organization. Who's his best friend? Yeah. I mean, they pissed people off in the locker room. Why would you well, want to do that? Five more years. I'm like, I mean, my math's off. Maybe it's three more years. I forget. Whatever. Four more years, rather. The point is, he's a guy who's here long term. He's his best friend, and you just upset him. He's. This is your locker room, which has been the biggest issue with this team going forward, outside of flat out talent. You know, like, why would you do that? Why would? Why? I, it just doesn't make any sense at all. They're gonna probably mm. pin it on. Yeah, when they let him go, but still, it's not, it's it, we're not stupid enough to think it's just a coach's decision because if anybody has any balls in this organization, they hear he's going to do that, they go, Yeah, no, you're not doing that. Right. If we were competitive, I would, you know, whatever, but right. we're not, you're not right. doing that. So, this is an organizational decision, and it's right. a dumb decision, and you're affecting a player you have for at least the next three years who is a big voice in your locker room, and now that's that's you just pissed him off, and he's out, he's outspoken about it. He didn't say he's not you know it doesn't bother him or he's not saying anything he's outspokenly upset with it and he has every right to be so another dumbass reason if i shouldn't have done this and they did yeah that's that's why i was kind of uh bothered by it because it, number one it looks terrible it's bad optics like people have people clearly took notice you know on social like former players especially because i don't know current players what are they really going to say you know it's some guy on another team but the former players um respect means something to people right like uh i don't know that really it really bothered it really bothered me cuz yeah, they me they could have they could have done they could have did him a solid you know like dude like I said, we know you're done but you know we're going to let you thing, ride the the horse into the sunset here of the things they could have done and could have controlled that could have been good or a good story are just positive in a big chunk of years, which has been mostly very negative. Again, they screwed up again. And they really bothers me too. You know, what really bothers me too is he's in the lineup again, a couple <laughs> nights later. I know. <laughs> like, dude, I know. They what? Said they did it just? I don't, I don't even know. What? If I were him, I'd just be like, "Yeah, screw you guys." What bigger slap in the face, right? Like, dude, we just ended your streak because you stink, but now we need you back in the lineup. You know what? If I'm, you know what, Yandel's a bigger person than our entire organization. Instead of being a baby about it, he just shows up to work. He's like, whatever, you know. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, they should be more like him. Unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> like, like it's it's unbelievable it's just i said it the night that it the, the day that it happened like uh, this this means he's not coming back into the lineup right because that looks real bad if the point comes where it's like hey we need you back in there keith like you want to go play it's like you just i mean i know so here's the thing because people are going to keep going well he stinks well he stinks but it's like dude you ruined my streak stinks. Right, you ruined my streak, and now you need me back in. I mean, Yandel must be a pretty good guy because I'd be like, "Yeah, I think I'm done, guys. Like, I must be done if you're benching me. So, like, what do you want me back in there for? I don't know. I don't know. It just there is zero positive from this, and only negative, and it's clear as day. Yeah, what are least, these? to prove? I mean, yeah, at least we got to see Ronnie Adder go. Uh, you know, minus four and, and 
get his shit kicked in against Toronto. So that's what I mean. Like it's good development in there. Come on. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I don't know. Like it comes back to seeing the, the kids play again. And it's like, what are we uh, hoping that what yeah. are we hoping he accomplishes here? What, like, what is he learning getting curb stomped against the Maple Leafs? Well, I mean, really aside from, aside from him getting to experience his first NHL game, what did he learn that night? Probably not much. How to lose. <laughs> and then I think he, I think the next game he played was the Columbus game at home Tuesday where he picked up an assist. So that's good. And, you know, I, you know, every, I think he was on the ice for, for two goals again. And it's like, I guess he's learning from this, I guess. Like, I think, I'm not going to say that getting the kids experience at the end of the year is overrated because I'm sure it's a, it does benefit some people like, holy shit, this is a lot faster and more physical than what I'm used to. But um, I have a hard time believing that the last 10 games of the season where you get these kids in are extremely crucial for their development. I just, I don't believe it. Like I just, I don't know. Maybe you're giving them a taste so that they bust their ass over the summer and they come back next year, you know, trying to make the roster. I think it's very overrated, um, and, I, and I think that you know, for the people out there who go, uh, well, the kids should be playing over them. We got to see what the kids are. They're the future of the organization, and it's like, yeah, okay, well, I, I understand that, but you know, like we've been talking about, like, do you understand how it makes the Flyers organization look? I mean, sitting a like, guy on a nine hundred eighty-nine game Ironman streak. Well, that—that's my thing. You know, and it's also like, well, again, okay, if you could, if you beat me on the, I want to see the kids look, okay, well, Sealer was in there and that's a joke. So like, come on. And if I'm Fletcher and I, unless he's really hell bent on bringing Yao back, which is hilarious. Like, why are you letting this guy make a decision that's going to probably directly affect you bringing in certain players in here, not just next year, but in the future? Like, I, I don't understand. Like it, it's, it's, it's so dumb. Like, why are you letting him make these decisions? Cause it affects people. Let's be real. We talk about how these players are more whiny nowadays than they used to be. And you go and do something like this and give them a reason to, to just not choose your organization who already has so many red flags. It's silly. So it, 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 there is literally no positive to doing this. None. Yeah. That's why, that's why it irked me. I, that's right. There, I saw, Way more cons than I did pros um, for this, and so zero pros because what are they going to do? They're going to win. Like, come on. See, so, yeah, this is where I disagree with with. Well, I'm a day You here. and I, all three of us, might not give a damn, but I know the players and the players who could potentially come here and the uh, potential right. captain or a big voice in a locker room for the next three year, four years. He cares. He cares big time. Right. We might have four more years of this bullshit. And then so, and then so think about it. Like the Flyers aren't going to be, uh, you know, tearing things to the ground, right? So they're going to be looking to bring in free agents. They're going to be looking to trade for guys. And we're hearing stuff already about players already on the team not wanting to be here, right, Jack? So it's like, yep. you do something like this, and we know, we think we at least know what the plan is for the off season, right? It's to somehow acquire talent. You do something like this, you know, people, Keith Yandel is a well-respected, well-liked person around the, the NHL. You know, what he's, got you know what he's got friends. He's got friends. He's going to be on Spit and Chicklets, and they're going to ask him about this, and he's going to rip the Flyers organization to shreds, and he'll be right. And, it and everybody listens to that. So that, that's wonderful. Looking forward to that. Uh, players listen to that. Players know those, everybody. And he's a class act, class guy. Pretty much everybody likes the guy. And your own guy in your locker room that you signed a big contract to is now who would stand up for this organization. Very few of them out there. You just lost another one. <laughs> it's like, it's like how much worse can, can things get the. Yeah. I just feel like they did him a little dirty, you know, like you brought, you brought him in. So it's like, what do you, what do you want? Like Florida was going to bench him last season and you went and, they and signed didn't. them. And they didn't, and they bought him out. They're still paying him. We paid him under a mil. He took less money to come here. Yeah. You got him the streak. But you got this. You're 11 games out, or from his streak, and you're it just no, just no reason, just no reason. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's get to something a little bit uh, more positive here. So, the Flyers are going to be honoring the great 
PA announcer? Lou Nolan, Saturday before the game against Anaheim, Jack. I'm sure they'll nail this. I'm sure it'll be perfectly done. I hope so, man. So um, there was talk before the season that he was on the list for Flyers Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and they ended up just going Tockett and uh, Holmgren. Lou Nolan, though. Like, who doesn't love Sweet Lou, right? Oh, he's fantastic. It, my favorite story of him is when um, – I can't remember who's telling the story, but like, it was probably just a, a fan, and they're just like, this is Lou Nolan. He's a PA announcer, and the little kid's, like, puzzled. And then he's just like, Pico, power up. And the kid just brightens up like, oh, oh, I know exactly you're talking about, you know, and it, that's it. Cause I've been listening. He's been doing it since the team like came into the league, like pretty much. I'm not sure if it's exactly the first year, but he's pretty much been here the entire time. Everybody knows his voice. Everybody knows what he does. Tasty cakes, Pico power play. He is the man. Like he just, he deserves some kind of recognition, some kind of recognition. He's, he's associated with the team. Maybe not on a level as Gene Hart, pretty close yeah so i'm I'm just going uh, off an article from bill Meltzer here an original flyer in every sense of the term a team employee team employee from the inaugural 1967 to 1968 season to this very day he has witnessed the vast majority of home games played in franchise history uh so yeah really uh really cool for them to be doing this and I'm, i'm glad they are you know, uh, Philly guy, uh, graduate of Philadelphia's West Catholic High School. Uh, you know, and he deserves it, man. He's he's the best. Yeah, he's fantastic. I love the. I'm so glad. I just hope they do it right. I'm horrified what, what they're actually going to do. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they put away a day from is good. Like that, that's good. We'll see how the execution is, but he deserves it in every in every way. You know what I really like that they do now at the games is when he's do, he's making the call, they'll put him up on the big screen like they show you inside the booth where he is. I don't know why. It just always kind of makes me laugh a little bit. But, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, something positive. Hopefully, you know, it's it should be a nice little thing. If you're heading to the game Saturday, uh, it's, it's before the game starts. So get there a little early and, uh, you know, throw some uh, respect to Sweet Lou. Um, all right. So before we get to our game, Jack, uh, let's take two minutes. Just well, let's try to take two minutes to discuss this. <sighs> Ryan Ellis was. Let's make a big deal about this because. All right, let's get dramatic. I really didn't want to make a big deal about this, but like, he's when I all right. So Ryan Ellis wasn't at team. He wasn't in the team photo today. Wasn't at the rink, right? And the first thought that popped into my head was. He's probably doing rehab or something, right? Like, I'm sure there was a perfectly fine reason for why Ryan Ellis wasn't at the team picture. The other side of that is, if it was rehab, just schedule it for another time, right? Like, make the picture. Ah, I don't know. Do you, do you want to make a big deal about this? I just, it's a team picture. I just, I, I, I get why why it was you know, reported, but at the same time, like, is it really that big of a deal? It's a picture. He didn't play with the team this year. He played four games. Yeah. Like, you know, if he was a big part of the team, I, okay. Yeah. But like, if you want to make it bigger than it is, or if you want to allude to something that we may or may not have heard about the guy, sure. But if I have a, if I have a legitimate injury, and I'm going to go take a picture with a team I played four games with my entire career was in Nashville in a horrible season after they just screwed over Yandel, uh, and or I have rehab, yeah, I'm probably just going to go to rehab. Hey, my injury is more important to my career than some picture. And not to mention, isn't he already in another team picture they took earlier in the year? Yeah, I probably. I guess they take another one for like post-trade deadline type thing. That's right, a good point well, by it, you. It's just like uh, – yeah, I know. I want to. I want to try to care and make it dramatic, but I'm having. I'm struggling. Yeah. So I didn't hear back from somebody. So I don't know if I want to repeat it um, on the podcast. But you know, it's just. Uh, I'll summarize it real quick. It's just basically another guy doesn't really know what's going on with the organization, and it's not sure really if he wants to be here. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, man, like it, we're hearing this about Provorov. Now we could potentially be hearing it about Ellis. And it's like, I don't know, man. 
If you sat by and watched how this organization acts, if, if you can get by how bad the team is on the ice, knowing that they're missing players and what else, and just watch the organization act, yeah, I could see players having an issue, especially when you come from an organization like Nashville, who's, you know, like they're a hockey team down south. They t- typically don't do all that well. And Nashville's like, they really get behind the Predators. Like they, they just do everything right there. And then he comes up here and it's just probably like, what the hell is going on? Can they do anything right? Okay, they suck this year, but this, that they could control. This they could control. Why'd they do this? Why'd they do that? Like, what the hell's going on in this place? I'm stuck here for how many more years? Like, I, I, I could understand it. I could totally understand. It. I don't think it has anything to do with the picture, but I could totally understand him being like, um, somebody help me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm going to speculate. And then, um, well, yeah, I'll say it. So, like, the Flyers medical staff, man, there is something not right there. And uh, I've said the name before on a past show, but um, I think it's becoming more and more, like, known to players. Like, hey, Flyers medical staff, a little fishy there. Um, so I don't know what's wrong with Ryan Ellis, but I know that he um, has questions for why the medical staff wants to do what they want to do kind of thing, you know? And that's why, that's why we're seeing this dragged out a little bit because somebody yeah. wants him to do something and he wants to do something else. So well, that's, that's if you why break we down, are where we are. You break down the evidence and we can go as far back as like the 2015 season. Flyers goaltending coach, I don't know, it was, I think it was something Reese just left. Just left the team, and it was uh, uh, it was speculated that the team forced Mason to play hurt. Strike one, and I'm sure there's a thousand more strikes I don't even know about, you know. And then how many times has Kevin Hayes gone under the knife this year? Three. That's incredibly unheard of. Strike two. Ish, Ryan Ellis has issues. Half the team has issues. Um, Laner came out and he put Vigneault through a Bavigno under the bus. But maybe it's more directed at the the medical staff. Nolan Patrick at the time alluded to having issues with the medical staff. I mean, how many more strikes do you need? And I know a lot of people are quick to, oh, Nolan Patrick. But like with all the evidence backs up them having an issue with the the medical staff, how many injuries this team has? Let's not forget Niskin and like flat out retired out of nowhere. A lot of people say, oh, well, COVID. That probably had a lot to do with it. But was it everything? Play one year here and he retired. Like, I, I just I find it hard to believe that everybody that all this happened and they're not to blame. The, the word gets out. The Flyers went from a top-notch organization to a joke. I don't want to say overnight, but kind of overnight when you consider they've been around for 50 over 50 years, and these last five years have been so bad. So, so bad. And where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's a ton of smoke when it comes to the Flyers medical staff. Yeah, there's definitely something there. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with with Ryan Ellis. Uh, I don't think that, you know, what we're hearing is the end of what's happening. I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be more drama and more topics uh, to talk about in regards to Ryan Ellis in the summer. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it then. Now. Let's have a little bit of fun because this has been like a very just angry episode, I feel like. Let's get to our game. You want to get to the game, Jack? Sure. Why isn't anybody talking about him? If you didn't know, you haven't been listening, we're, we're doing a new segment on the show. It's called Why Isn't Anybody Talking About Him? And it's, you know, we're going to bring up players that are playing very well around the National Hockey League, but maybe they don't play in a really good market. Maybe they're just getting, uh, you know, shunned because all you hear about is McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews. You know, the or, or Shesterkin or, or, you know, guys like that. So, uh, we got a couple new players for you tonight, and uh, let's get started. All right, Jack, let's go with uh, with your guy first because this is a guy who, um, had on the list for a while now, um, 
and I love that you you brought him up before the show. Perfect guy for this. Uh, hasn't been getting any attention all season long, and I, I don't know why. Go ahead. A guy that I wanted the Flyers to sign over Hayes as much as I do like Hayes, but it is what it is. Um, Matt Duchesne, in the last 16 games, has scored 13 goals, 13 assists, for 26 points. Wow. Wow. Um, on the season, he's got 36 goals, which is two behind Philippe Forsberg, who gets plenty of speculation, obviously, because he's a pending unrestricted free agent. Um, but still, he's only two goals behind him. This is a guy last year and the year before was not living up to that contract. And wow. And on the season, in 65 games, 36 goals, 36 assists. Talk about giving you a little bit of everything. 72 points in 65 games. He could touch 80 points for the season. That's fantastic. I mean, maybe even more. Like that, that is, he's really killing it. I haven't heard a word about Matthew Shane. When it comes to uh, Nashville in general, it's Forsberg, it's Yossi for sure. Like it's those guys, it, even um, Soros. But it, it is not first line center Matthew Shane. And that is, that is my guy. I haven't heard a word about him. It's already, if he, as season ended today, 72 points is a nice season. And he's definitely going to, he's going to hit 80 and potentially more. And that's amazing. He could, he could finish in a 40 and 40. He could have 40 goals. Jesus Christ. We haven't a guy who scored 40 goals here since what? Simone Gagne when he was playing with Forsberg. Oh no. I think, I think Carter hit it a little after that, but this, we're going back to the, the 09, 08, something like that. 36 goals is a new career high for Matt Duchesne, by the way. And points. 72 points is a new career high in just Jesus 65 Christ. Real, wow. He's making like $8 million a year. I didn't know that. So that, that's yeah. fantastic. Good for him. Yeah. Good so he's having a, a hell of a year. Perfect what example. Perfect example of a, of a guy for this segment. You know, why isn't anyone talking about Matt Duchesne? I mean, it's gonna, he's going to score 40 goals. Right, the I don't think he's been injured this year. The the Predators, it looks like they have. Let me just go double check because Duchesne's played in sixty five games. Let me just make sure that they have seventeen games left here. Nashville, mm, where are you? All right, so they've played sixty nine games. So they have thirteen games left. Duchesne will likely score four goals in their last thirteen games. Forty goal season, Matt Duchesne. I mean, it, you know what's crazy this year, Jack? I'm wondering if the last two seasons, like the the ones that got cut short, I'm wondering if they're starting to benefit some guys because there's a lot of uh, 40 goal scores this season. There's going to be a lot of guys that hit 40. I mean, yeah, there's less tread on the tires. They're they're, ha- they're probably just in a better place, not having to deal with all the restrictions and whatnot. And they don't play in Philly. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. You know? And um, these guys are talented. And Nashville's that team. Like you think they're they're trending downwards and they, they just make you think otherwise. And a lot of the players have a lot to do with that. This is probably more the guy they thought they signed. And sometimes when like the pressure's off you, you just, you play your game and you do your thing. And it's, I'm happy for him. I always like Matthew Shane going back to his days in Colorado and um, good for him. It's fantastic. I, I, I can't wait until the flyers have a player like that. So, there's already seven players in the NHL that have scored 40 goals. And then there are three players. One has 39, one has 38, and one has 38. So, you know, even by the end of this weekend, we could see 10 players with 40 goals. And then next up on the list, Matthew Shane. Are there three that already have 50? Austin Matthews has 50, and Leon Dreisaitl has 50. Yeah. What's, what's uh, Kreider at, 49? Uh, Kreider's at 47, yeah. So oh, okay. he's right there. Yeah, but it's those three, that, and then there's a bit of a gap, you know, five and, goals. And, uh, Ovechkin, and Ovechkin, he's in the 40 range too, correct? Yes, sir. Jesus. What Kyle a, Connor, another guy that nobody oh. talks about. He's got 82 points already, oh. 41 goals. See, I, I'd have brought him up, but we got somebody in our fantasy league who talks about him a lot, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, man. So, I mean, just a, a really good year of fun and, and offense. Just not Who's our highest scoring goal scorer? Is it uh, was it Atkinson with like 26? I think it's still Atkinson, yeah. Um, hang on, let me go go check there. Philadelphia Flyers goal scores. This is depressing. 
Oh, my God. It's Atkinson with 23. I thought he was closer to 30 by now. And then That's after Atkinson, yeah, just 23. After Atkinson, guess who it is? TK. No, it's James Van Riemsdyk. Oh. 18. Jesus, Trade him. Man. Trade him now. Well, that's how I mean. that's how bad it is. That is bad. One, two, three. They have six guys with ten plus goals and one player over. We, we judge it by double digits here in Philly. If you have double digits, this is a win. Yeah. Do you remember last week when we talked about Roman Yossi and his twenty-four assists in in one month? <laughs> wow, that's yeah. seven behind Travis Konechny for the season. That's insane to me. And he did it in 14 games. And we're crying. We're, we're, we're excited about Konechny picking it up and getting all these assists and being better and blah, blah, blah. That's how mean? much Mitch we see Marner any Light. kind of good play. And we were just like, we're, we're going to be fine. It's like, no, no, no. Really good players do this consistently all the time. Yeah. I had to laugh. Oh, and they play defense, not offense. Like, what a – oh, my God. We're so far had, away from being anything relevant. It makes me want to cry. I had to laugh the other day. Um Somebody put up a poll. It was like Konechny, Farabee, and a first-round pick for uh, Mitch Marner. And I forget who said it, but somebody said, why would we trade for Marner? We already have Travis Konechny. And I was like, well, I don't know if this is serious or not. I like, never heard him connected with Marner. We talked in our group chat, and I thought it was cute. Um, he was always Marshan to me. You know, the way he played. I, I, I still don't see it, honestly. And then you saw that play by Marner when he went like, essentially almost coast to coast completely deked out two or three guys and definitely the goalie. And while I am not too keen on playing, paying a guy, a winger, almost $11 million, he's still a very, very good player. Yeah. I, I took it as more of a, an insult to Marner than I did potential <laughs> compliment to connect me. I'm like, wait, Mitch Marner has 29, I think 29, 29 goals this season. And what, like, like 67 assists. Right, like this. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, obviously, he's getting assists on a lot of the pucks that Matthews is putting in the back of the net. I mean, he's a machine, Matthews. He's but a, yeah, he's going to win a heart, dude. Right, but don't take anything away from Marner because he yeah. Marner's a, a star in this league. Travis Konechny is a is a um, I don't want to say a depth player, but he's a complimentary complimentary second is. line winger at best. Like, come on. So yeah, he's a guy that needs a Tavares or a Matthews to play with him, where Marner doesn't necessarily need him. No. When he has him, you have one of the best lines in hockey, and you get paid almost $11 million, which is why I probably don't do that deal because that's a lot of money. However, I would do that deal if Marner made less money. <laughs> I mean, how do you fit $11 million into your cap? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so that was a little, a little puzzling to me because I'm not sure – but I'm, yeah, I'm not sure how people evaluate players. It's like, wait, are they, the same, are they the same draft class? I know that, but are they the same height or something? Like, I, I mean, Marner is so much more talented than connecting. It's silly. He, that's why he went like fourth in the draft and connecting with like 22nd. Yeah. Like it, it, it's clear as day and connect needs the more get under your skin type or I don't Marner's more. He's just skills, just skill. Mm -hmm. Um, Something I wanted to bring up for uh, Nashville before we get a little too far away. Um, how much do you think of their success can be attributed to their coach? Um, cause I'm looking at their centers and they got, uh, Ryan Johansson, who I've thought has been cooked for a couple seasons. I mean, the last two years, he has not been very good. Same with Duchesne, not been very good the last two years. Um, they decided to bring back Michael Granlin. I think they traded for him last season or a couple seasons ago now and decided to bring him back. He, you know, he's been okay the last two years, 27 points, 30 points. I know the games were kind of cut short. This year, the guy's got 42 assists, uh, 51 points. He's the third center on the team. 51 points as the third center. 20 power play assists, so he's getting it done on the power play. Um, Ryan Johansson, uh, after recording 36 points and then 22 points the last two years, 54 points in 66 games, 20-goal season. Hasn't scored 20 goals since... 2014-15 with Columbus. All right. Wow. So something happened here. I don't I don't know because I, I haven't watched enough Predators games. Um, but I just want to like try to figure it out and have a conversation about it. Can can we attribute this to the coach and style of play? Because all of these guys, Duchesne, Johansson, and Granlin, 
are all having bounce back seasons. What can that be attributed to? You think? When you, yeah, they've always been a defensive team, a, a team with a good goaltender. At least you think because they have such a good defense. They were a Stanley Cup finalist team in 2016. So the fact that Johansson hasn't had that good of a season that year and having a better year this year statistically mm-hmm. is a little puzzling. Um, I don't know. Maybe the pressure's off. Maybe there's just – if I had to guess, I'd say coaching has a lot to do with it. That and just the steadiness they have in net. Rene's retired and Soros picked up the slack. But mainly they brought back Ekholm. Uh, Yossi's having a phenomenal year, Norris level year. Uh, they just, they got, they, they're always good there. They're always steady Eddie there. And uh, I just think that allows the forwards to do their thing. You throw in some good coaching and some good power play time and you can have a good year. You can, I mean, it's funny when you're older like that, but this is what they've been looking for. This is where their resurgence has come from. And it's hard not to say coaching has definitely something to do with it. And that's what keep that's what's keeping my hope alive for next year. I'm I'm putting a lot on them finding the right coach. If they if they hire a coach that I don't like, I'm just gonna say flat out I'm I'm done with this. Well, I'm like, not I'm not I'm not gonna go in and be like, okay, well I understand why they hired this guy. Maybe maybe it'll be something good. If I'm just gonna be done, like they need to go get the right guy for anything to work. I'm putting all my hopes on the coach. Look, this isn't the only example. Look at Vancouver. You know, yeah. they fire their coach. They they bring in the ham and they they turn things around for for a hot second there. Like they really really had guys producing for a while there. Definitely it was us in the us in Vancouver who are like teams who should be better who are sucking and they just took off and we we're just like, okay, it's just us now. Yeah. You know, like it coaching chains matter. Look at the Islanders, they were always like a, a bubble playoff team. And I know this year is not the best example, but once they brought in um um Oh God, what's his name? The guy from he won the Stanley Cup with the Capitals, Trots. Trots, thank you. I always Torrell Trots. I will make sure I didn't say the wrong thing. They bring him in. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals back to back years against a team that belongs in the '90s in the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, like it's amazing what a coach can do for you. Laviolette's a good example too. He did, he did it for the Flyers. He did it for Carolina. He did it for Nashville for a hot second. You know, he's just certain coaches. They can do that for you and. I'm worried because I feel like a lot of those teams had a good culture in place. Um, I don't know if a coach can do all that. Vigneault did it for a hot second, and then everything went back to normal, unfortunately. But they could get the right guy, and that that guy could change things. I hope it's somebody who has some kind of clout, whether it's as a player, a coach, or both. That's where that's why Tocket pops up a lot. Um, and I know a lot of people would be like, oh, former flyer, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I, I don't want to bring in some the next hack stall, that's for sure. But it's going to be huge. And that's why if they bring back Yao, <laughs> which is, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think anybody thinks that'll happen. But it hasn't been dismissed yet. And the fact that they allowed him to bench Yandel makes me think like you know, it's just scr- head scratching. And we know how much Fletcher loves him. It makes me worried because this team has done everything potentially wrong that they could. Um, however, they could go the other option. They could bring in somebody worth a damn and it could definitely make a difference. And there's a lot of voices in the locker room who aren't there anymore. And that could change things. It's just buying into some kind of system. But then again, like, is it system? Is it culture? What's, what's bigger? Because I've, I like what Marty St. Louis is doing in Montreal, how he turned that team around. Speaking of letting go of a coach and bringing in somebody else, just let the players be them. You know, like you need some kind of combination of both a steady system, but at the same time, letting your talented players do what they do best. Stop forcing a square peg into a round hole and let these guys flourish as who they are, what they do. And you might have a happier locker room, which will increase the culture and, a system in place in some way, not, not overbearing that you can rely upon. And could, everybody helps each other out and bring in some more talent. You might have something there. There are certainly examples out there that make sense to bringing in the right coach makes sense. It's more than that, but at the same time, this is where you start. And it's essentially, this is Fletcher's last chance. If you ask me, yeah. usually you might get a coach or two, but then didn't work out. 
You can blame it on the players because they're coach killers, but this is it because they brought in talent. They've made moves. This is it. And this is huge. And if it's Yao, <laughs> a lot of people are going to be mentally checked out before the season even starts. I agree. So speaking of a guy, I'm, well, he's not a coach. So this is not even a really good transition at all. But a lot of coaches weren't coaches until they were coaches like Marty St. Louis. So go with it. All right. So let's get it. Well, he's, he plays for a Florida team. So they have something in common there, I guess a little bit. So let's get back to our little game here. So my player, my one and only player for tonight. And this guy, he's so underappreciated because of, he plays for the Florida Panthers. I think you already know where I'm going with this. He's a top three player in the NHL, Jack. Top three. Right, I, I'm not going to say – I don't know if he's better than Nathan McKinnon. I don't know if I'm ready to say that he's more valuable to a team than Connor McDavid. But Alexander Barkov is a top three player in this league. 76 points in 57 games this year. He's another – he's going to be – in an 82-game season, he's got 34 goals. He's only played in 57. He was hurt a little bit this year. Could be a, he could potentially score 45 goals if this was an 82 game season. He could still score 40. Um, could be looking at a hundred point season. Missed, I think he missed about a month with, with uh, an injury. I can't recall what it was. Has not gone more than two games without a point all year. And that was one time that happened in October. Um, he scored a point in, in pretty much every game this year, which is incredible when you think about that. Like every night his name's on the score sheet. And one of the games that he did not score in was against the Flyers, by the way, back in October. Wow. Um, but Alexander Barkov, uh, why don't why does why don't we talk about him? This guy is the complete package. He he's a superstar in this league. Any other team in the in the NHL, he, all we're talking about is Alexander Barkov. This I mean, we need to appreciate this guy. We need to talk about him. It's Florida, dude. Like you said, it's Florida. You know, back in the day, uh, Jay Bomeister was one of the best offensive defensemen in the league, and he didn't get a lot of, a lot of uh, airtime because he played for Florida. It wasn't until he wound up like with Calgary and then the Blues that you started to hear about him. Or uh, they had a stud goaltender down there for a while before uh, um, they have. Vol- you remember Volkun, Thomas Volkun? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was another guy. I think get more. I think he got more airtime as the backup in Pittsburgh than he did as a stud starter starter in Florida. And I'm not going to talk about Luongo because he made his he made his bones in Vancouver by the time he made it to Florida. And that's all it is because it's 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 not even that if it was the Lightning he you might hear about him more, but it's because it's the Florida Panthers. I think that's all it is. And he was I think he was like the third overall pick of the draft, right in that range, maybe fourth. Um, He's a talented guy, always has been, does everything right. And that's a true MVP right there. He's scoring a point pretty much every single game for you. That's an MVP-style player. That, he's a guy, if he's not on the score sheet, you're probably not winning that game. And I don't know how else to chalk it up except that it's Florida. Uh, how good they've been this year and even last year, he's starting to get talked about a little bit more. But if it were a team like New York or L.A. or Chicago – Toronto, he you would hear him immediately, and I think that's what it comes down to. And it's even Duchesne to a, to a, a degree. Nashville, in hockey circles, is a very good hockey city and team, but in the grand scheme of things, it's Nashville. It's, it's not a major city, and it's a major market, and that's what it comes down to. In Barkov's last five games, he's scored twelve points, six goals. I guess that's six assists too. Just last night, did you see this? The Florida Panthers were were down five to one against Toronto, and ended up coming back and winning seven six in overtime. He had a goal and three assists. Did he score the OT goal? Uh, I think he did actually. It was either him or Huberto. I can't remember I, my phone. Actually, you know what? Yeah, it was Huberto. I think he okay. I think he assisted on uh, the Huberto goal. But they did the same thing April second against Jersey. I think they were down six two. And they won 7-6. He had two goals that night. I mean, he's a machine. He's the definition of machine. Plays on the power play. Plays on the PK. Uh, wins the majority of his face-offs. Like, this guy's an absolute stud. Like, I, saw, I saw a stat. It was like 
the last the the overall record since like 2002 or three of teams down uh, by four goals, and the record was like it was in the thousands for wins. And then it was like six losses and I don't know, nine ties or overtime losses. The point was when you're down four goals in the game, you don't come back and win. And the Florida Panthers did it like twice within a week or something yeah. crazy. Like it was, it's unbelievable. The stats. And th- don't you love players like that? It doesn't matter what the score is. They're playing hockey. They're playing because one, they probably love it. And two, they're never out of a game. When you have players like that on your team. You're never out of a game. Our team goes down one, two, nothing in the first period or two. And it's like, they're already done. Yeah, it's done. You know, and then you got Florida who's complete opposite of this joke team's organization. And he's a, the shining example of what we should be striving for. And it's unfortunate because if God forbid he were here in Philly, he would definitely be getting talked about. But oh, yeah. because he plays down there, it's it's a little bit of a higher uh, mountain to climb. But you know what? He's getting there because now we're talking about him. Stats like that are being released on Twitter. And now once he gets a playoff success, people are going to know his name. You know the Flyers actually tried to trade for him in the draft? They tried to trade up to pick him? Was that the McKinnon draft? I think it may have been. Yeah, they tried to trade up to, uh, to draft Barkov, which would have been I amazing. would have cried if they had pulled that one off. I wouldn't have known it at the time, but – yeah, they, apparently they tried to trade up for everybody. Apparently they tried to trade up for Ekblad as well. Mm, another guy. We got Sanheim instead. Yeah. I like Sanheim. Yeah, maybe he's coming around. We'll see. They're all coming around. Yeah, it's only taken six, seven years. Whatever. No, no, it's two to three. Two to three. We got time. Two. Well, what else? We uh, we're coming to the end here. Uh, what else do you want to bring up before we sign off? Anything? I wish I had something, man, but this is just another horrific season. Another BS reason to cry about this team with the Yandel thing. And um, I keep checking how many games they have left, and I think they got like 12 or something. I'm like, I cannot believe it's still double-digits games they have left. How is this not almost over? It makes me want to cry. Um, but, yeah, uh, we're getting there. Off-season's coming. I hope anybody still has hope. Watch the young kids. Cheer for your Noah Cates. Maybe uh, Allison will, you know, pop up at a healthy spot. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want. Stop. Everybody, stop being so hard on heart. For God's sake, I still see it. It's like, come on, man. It's the one thing this organization did right was draft a stud goalie who's playing behind one of the worst teams in franchise history, and uh, they're still shitting on him. And it makes me want to laugh. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Bernie Perron couldn't play that well behind this team. No. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. That's going to do it for the episode. Thanks for hanging out. As always, next time you catch us, I believe it's going to be for after tomorrow night's game uh, in Columbus. Cam Atkinson making his first visit back to Columbus, Ohio, to play his former team, the Blue Jackets. So that's, I guess, a reason to watch if you um, want to see that stuff. Or you get to watch the kids again tomorrow. Ronnie Adderd and Noah Cates. Uh, So until next time, drink your green stuff, take your vitamins, and enjoy the rest of your night, everybody.